Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. I am your host, Chauncey Allworth, and this is your other host, Sean. Hello. How are you doing this week, Sean? Not not bad. We had that eclipse there. Yeah, yeah, that was exciting. It was very apocalyptic out there. Yeah, well, you know, a few weeks ago that astrologer told us that the eclipse would be accompanied by some kind of ground-shaking political event. Right. And now this... Right as I speak, President Trump is delivering an address about uh, Afghanistan or something. So presumably he'll say something crazy, and if he acts on it, well, right, right. we might have to entertain the possibility that our lives are determined solely by the relative positions of the planets and the stars. Yeah, I don't know. A whole, a whole, um, a whole statement from Trump. That's like that's like 120 tweets. That's like yeah. 120 <laughs> tweets, man. I can't read all that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out when I get home. I I am curious as to, as to what he has to say. There. You know, uh, yeah. I know a lot of people I mean, out there. I, have... I suspect it's the the whole deal. You know, Afghanistan. It's a pretty unwinnable war, but you know, every president has got to try and win it. It's like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You know, points for trying. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Uh, you know, <laughs> that I'm, may have been a controversial thing to say. But you know, our listeners, I'm sure, noticed that know. we have a lot of little <laughs> subtle digs towards Trump, but you know, he's so funny. Yeah. But um, you know, I can say that uh, I should point out Trump did something that I think um, both sides of this battle can rally behind. Sure. And that is he declared the opioid addiction problem a national emergency, which will allow more money to go towards it because there's a lot of people taking pills. Yeah. Well, between that and his health care plan not passing, I mean, we're really doing a lot for... Okay, that was mean. <laughs> I was trying to avoid the subtle digs. What is that? <laughs> that wasn't even a subtle dig. All right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, I've had a, <clears throat> I found out this morning that my neighbor, who's 46, had a massive heart attack. Oh, geez. At 46, due to weight and stress, hmm. which I have both of, and smoke. So now I'm terrified that I only have five years left. Oh, dang. Well... I I honestly I don't know what kind of condolences you give in that situation. I I mean I, I'm sure you've got more than five years. That's your condolences. That's yeah, what you've come that, up with. That's what I've got. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Maybe hope, I hope I, that helps. I, I don't know. Maybe the so tonight's guest is a psychic lawyer. Maybe he can tell me if I have five years or not, you know? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk to him, and it's like, I'm sorry, man. Our odds aren't good here. Yeah, totally. You <laughs> what might, do you want me to say? Yeah, you might want to finish up the show early, because <laughs> you're not going to make it. Oh, goodness. But yeah, when I heard that, I I, I swear to God, I just went like, oh, oh God. It's, it's going to be me, you know, because... I think uh, at the root, I think my stress is my my overall problem. You know, last time I went to the doctor, my blood pressure was so high, they had to wait and take it again as I was leaving. And it was high because of my stress levels. Hmm. So Yeah, well, I'm not exactly the expert on explaining people how to manage stress. Well, you I don't tried... seem very stressed. You well, seem no, I, I don't. Like, I, I project this chill exterior, but I'm actually, you know, within it, it's just chaos. It's, it's you just know, total chaos. People throwing things off of shelves and running around screaming. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I could tell that you were lying when you so. used the term chill exterior. <laughs> it's like, that's not real. 
Yeah. You made well, that up. Exactly. exactly. Right. So I have been trying my mindful meditation and yeah. trying to chill. Try to and avoid any major responsibilities, you know. Quit your job, fly to the Bahamas. I wish. Children. But I did this one <laughs> big mistake that a lot of our listeners are going to know about. Uh huh. I made babies. Right. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, my psychiatrist warned me, don't do that. <laughs> You're not going to be able to handle it. Just don't you know, a lot of people your age don't even want to make kids. Well, don't I even don't. want kids. Good grief. You don't want kids? No, I mean, imagine the. Well, you don't even have to imagine. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know why. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. Um, both of my, my son does want to have kids, but both of my daughters don't. Yeah. And and frankly, this might be a little graphic for radio. I don't know, but I assume that we don't have an all ages listening audience. But I I think Jared looking panicked. I think there. my daughters have been permanently turned off of sex thanks to South Park and the internet. Right. You know, between the two, I think they probably have a terrified, unhealthy view of sex. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there's sex, and the, that's iffy. But yeah. then there's children, and, you know, that's just game right. over, man. Right, but, I mean, on the Internet, like, normal sex is now a fetish. It's not even, like, something you find normally and then you go outside of. You find the other stuff normally, and then you're just all, ooh, normal sex, and it's just all normal A guy couples. and a girl, that's Yeah, totally, gross. man, yeah, <laughs> totally. Where's the, where's the, at least some freaky facial piercing something, something. I am, Something exciting. I am seriously worried about what Carl Bott is going to do to both of us. I, d- I don't show. think... Uh, I, th- I think we kept it pretty PG. Jared? Oh, God. Okay. Jared's sitting here egging us on, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, he's not. All right. Um, <clears throat> you're listening to Radio Wasteland, and tonight's guest... The psychic lawyer, Mark yeah. Anthony. This guy's a big deal. The guy is a big deal. Pretty exciting for us. So uh, come on back and check us out, Radio Wasteland. All right. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, Mark Anthony. Mark, are you there with us? I am. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on the show. You know, yeah, uh, very exciting. Yeah, and uh, Andrea, who books these whole things, was was just very, very over the moon that you were coming on the show. Actually, because she's read uh, a couple of books. That. Yeah, so, <laughs> she's gone a little nerd gaga, and it got infectious. And yeah, we're all like <laughs> we're all like, oh my god, this guy's a big deal, man. Because Andrea's just like, well, Andrea knows what's up. She does know. You know, yeah, Andrea's you know, much more tied in with the... If, uh, if she believes that something is popular, <coughs> chances are it is, which a pair of shut-ins like us would never know about. So, Well, as great as she is, we're going to stop talking about her, and we're going to talk to Mark. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I told her I would. Well, she's prettier than me, so we can talk about her. <laughs> well, yeah, she's got me beat, too, but only barely. <laughs> there you go, Andrea. See, I arranged that. All right. Uh, so, um, Mark, i I got to say you're... And every time that I have told somebody that you were going to be on the show, I said, my next guest is Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. And people would perk up, you know, um, what's up with being a psychic lawyer? How do you how do you come about being that? I mean, how do you come about utilizing that as a? I mean, I understand you were born psychic, probably, and right. became a lawyer. But I mean, how do you end up utilizing that? Well, you're correct. Uh, I was born into a family where this appears to be a genetic trait because both my parents had it, and it runs on both sides of the family for generations. And I was always drawn toward the spiritual. So what I was initially wanting to do with my life was to go into the clergy. I mean, I was 
um, seriously considering becoming a, a Catholic priest. But the problem I had with that is the, you know, and with all due respect to, to the Catholic Church and, and to all my Catholic brethren, it's too restrictive. Uh, there's too many rules, too many regu- regulations. You can only believe this way. You can't believe that. Can't believe that. And I started seeing that that God, the universe, the afterlife is so much greater than any church or any book or any dogma. And I decided not to do that. And somehow or other, I felt drawn to the law. Um, I traded one set of rules and regulations and restrictions for another, I guess. Um, but I, I like I like law because it it puts you in everything. In other words, it, it um, you know I've I've done so many head injury cases as a personal injury lawyer. That's what helped me understand the workings of the human brain, which are now helping me on my lecture tour, where I'm explaining how spirit communication works and the nature of consciousness. Um, it also uh, helps you understand um, structuring. Uh, physics and forensics and and chemistry. I mean, so so the law is really good for that. What I don't like about it is that truth and justice seem to get kicked off to the side in favor of who's got more power, who's got more money and more leverage. And so that's the downside of our legal system. Our our notion of justice is lofty and, and idealistic. The actual practice of law, unfortunately, is another matter entirely. Yeah, well, man is fallible, aren't they? You know, so we put men in the position of making these decisions. You know, the, the idea and the concept is good, but, you know, once you put people in those situations, money becomes a factor, power becomes a factor. Always, and in, in, in everything. Um, you know, and I like what Winston Churchill said about the, the jury system. He says it's inefficient. It 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 is wasteful. It's incredibly expensive, and it's better than anything everything else humans have tried. So there's pluses and minuses to it. And yes, it is inefficient, and it is you know it's far from perfect. But you know people say, oh, our system is, is terrible. And it's like, yeah, would would you really want to get arrested in North Korea and subjected to a legal system like that? or in China, or in Iran, or Saudi Arabia, or even in a lot of our, the European countries. Let's say you get arrested in France in, in, under what's known as the Code Napoleon, which is what most of continental Europe's legal system was based on Napoleon's law. You are guilty until you yourself prove you're innocent, whereas in the Anglo-American jurisprudence, you are innocent until proven guilty. And that's, that's major. Uh, so... What people need to understand is, yeah, the legal system, it's a disaster, but it's at least a disaster that somewhat works. Well, i got to tell you, um, Mark, that um, it looks like Andrea was right. I haven't even given out the phone number, and we have a caller who has a question for you, and her name is Debbie. Uh, Debbie. Hello. Hi, Debbie. Yes. I have a question for Mark Anthony. Um, hi, Debbie. Let's go for it. Hi, hi Mark. <laughs> um, I'd like to ask a question I had a brother that died 10 years ago this December. I'm sorry, can you I can tell barely me understand you. how yeah. he died or yeah, what I happened? I can't understand her. I can't understand her. Um, um, can you speak more clearly and slower, please? Uh, sure. I have a brother that died 10 years ago this December. Can you tell me how and 
can you tell me anything about his death? I, you know, um, I I wasn't informed we were doing readings on the show. They said, "Yeah, Debbie, we're gonna we're gonna have to yeah. let you go. Um, we'll be sure to follow up the show with how you can get in touch with Mark and find out more." Will do. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Sure, sure, Debbie, and, and yeah, go to my website, evidenceofeternity dot com, um, because uh, that way I've actually had a reading yeah. from you last year, Mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so I I know on. how to get in touch with you. I'm just on your site right now, and I see that you're on the radio. So I went. Well, thank you very much, Debbie, and we'll make sure that she uh, gets the information to get in touch with you. Sorry to spring that on you. You know, I I was just really kind of amazed that um, we, you know, we didn't even put the phone number out there, and <laughs> and so we must have regulars listening to our station going like, whoa, we want to get answers. So. <clears throat> Um, so I didn't mean to spring a reading on air to you, but maybe you can tell us a little bit. Do you do readings for people, or does this normally just tie no, no, in no. with I, your I, work? I do, I do readings for people, um, both on the telephone and in person, and, and it explains how to sign up for those on my website, evidenceofeternity.com. And, um, you know, and, and the point of the, the show tonight, as Andrea explained to me, and as you, you correctly um, explain this is to be an interview where we talk about what I do in my work as opposed to a reading show. Right. And reading shows are nice, and I'm certainly open to coming back again and doing a show where we just take calls uh, from listeners to do that. But, um, yes, uh, I, I offer one-hour sessions with people, and I open up to higher frequencies. And what separates me from the vast majority of other mediums out there, I don't refer to the other side or as spirit, and I don't use the terminology that was coined in the Victorian era. Um, I've updated it in my book, Evidence of Eternity, because I understand that this is based on science, this is based on quantum physics, and on human physiology. And certainly, God exists, um, the afterlife exists, and spirits exist, and there is a rational explanation for all of it. Um, perhaps our technology doesn't completely understand it yet, but that's okay. I mean, the idea of a microwave oven in the year 1950 was pretty far-fetched. And now can you think of anyone that doesn't have one? Yeah, so... so just because, yeah, just because the technology isn't there doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So you're definitely coming from an angle more of a scientist, scientific than uh, mysticism. Well, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I believe in God. I believe in the afterlife. I pray. Um, but I don't believe in in the mythological narcissistic god that he's a neurotic white guy sitting on a throne with a scepter smiting people because he's jealous and hung up and you didn't tithe ten percent. And you know, there's people who believe that and they certainly have a right to, but that conception of God is based on a medieval mindset. And then, of course, in the Renaissance, all the beautiful paintings by Donatello and Raphael and Michelangelo, where they depict God as such. And so people tend to, to think of God in those terms as opposed to being an energy that binds and unites all of us. I mean, it's almost more like, and I don't, and I don't mean this in a facetious or sarcastic way at all, it's more like George Lucas's version of the Force. And the reason that I say that is because everything at its most basic level, on a subatomic level, on a level smaller than electrons, protons, and neutrons, is quanta. 
electromagnetic energy, henceforth quantum physics. So if everything is energy, and as Einstein said, there is no matter. There's just energy that vibrates at different frequencies so that we can perceive it. So you and I are at a much slower and slower vibration. Ergo, we live in what we call the material world. And spirits, being pure energy, um, you know, free of the burden of a body, vibrate at a higher frequency. So, so in a nutshell, think of our world as AM radio and the other side is FM radio. And they're both energetic systems that exist parallel to each other and occasionally overlap. Yeah, well, the force comparison, you know, I I realize that people are going to guffaw at the comparison to a blockbuster movie, but it really kind of makes a lot of sense, you know, understanding people's, you know, if if God is omnipotent, you know, the the most we could hope to to understand is his glow, is his uh, aura. There, you know, we we couldn't hope to to really get in there. So so his influence uh, is probably the most that we can can hope to be a part of. Well, the interesting thing, uh, and I'm going to turn this into a lengthy explanation about George Lucas, <laughs> but he did have a near death experience. <laughs> And uh, I was just a speaker at the International Association of Near-Death Studies uh, annual conference in Denver. A uh, great group of people, great organization. It was, it, was, um, it was an honor to speak there. And people that have near-death experiences, and I had one when I was about three years old, and both my parents actually had near-death experiences, uh, two of them, two each, actually. And it changes you because it gives you this broader perspective. You realize that physical life is, is not the end. Um, it also gives you um, a belief in reincarnation, that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred. And so you can see where a lot of the things that George Lucas came up with, with the force, the light, and the dark, and the Jedi, and, and all of that, and certainly you know, all the Indiana Jones stuff and, and that. So it's it's there is a inspirational basis for for a lot of these uh, great concepts and works of art and for George Lucas it, it uh, revolves around his near-death experience all right well uh, we are coming up on our first commercial break here Mark um, so uh, everybody stick around you're listening to Radio Wasteland all right welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest Mark Anthony the psychic lawyer and your title, The Psychic Lawyer, I think brings up the number one question that people probably want to know, and that is, do your clients, as a lawyer, come to you because of your psychic abilities? <laughs> well, um, w what I need people to understand is that right now um, my law practice is on hold probably permanently because... The demand for my services as a medium and as a public speaker and lecturer have gone off the scale. Um, I'm on the road um, at least 20 weeks a year at uh, venues throughout the country. Um, I, uh, so far this year, I've been to Los Angeles three times. I've been to Virginia at the Edgar Casey Center, Denver, um, Houston twice, and I'm getting ready to leave again. Um, for Arizona on a whole tour at the Unity of Arizona, September 12th, and then the Afterlife Symposium in Scottsdale on the 15th. And what I do now is I act as a legal analyst on shows, on high-profile cases, 
and uh, become the go-to guy for the media when the legal system and the paranormal collide. Like in the Slenderman case, in fact, one of the defendants, one mm. of the crazy girls that, you know, <laughs> got enamored with a fictional online character, Slenderman, just copped a plea today. Mm. Um, but there's also when people try to sue to get out of uh, a lease because the house is haunted or ghost hunter liability or demonic possession as a defense to, to murder, so people come to me in cases like that, let alone the uh, DNA and forensic evidence, such as in the, um, the in, uh, in cold blood murders, and also when um, there there are uh, there's an author in in England who believes that based on DNA evidence he knows who Jack the Ripper, uh, the identity of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I caught a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's um, that's what I'm doing now. Which, uh, which really a lot of fun. I mean, it's great being able to analyze these things. Like when, uh, Judge Scalia, Antonin Scalia, Justice Scalia died, there was some speculation that it could have been murder and all this, but, you know, he was a guy in pretty poor health and, you know, it's, he had a heart attack and died, you know, um, but, but still there's always the, the specter of, of, uh, a foul play, especially in such a controversial figure. So are there a lot of cases that, um, run hand in hand with the paranormal, and if so, are there any that you think are credible? Well, there's actually um, it's quite a bit more now, and some of them are very, very practical. Ghost hunter liability. Okay, Let, so you're running around in an insane asylum that's been abandoned for 30 years, and somebody falls down a rusty staircase, rips their leg open, and bashes their head. Makes sense. Okay. <laughs> you know, whether or not a ghost pushed them or not, which is probably not the case. But um, someone's going to sue. Mm-hmm. And there's even insurance companies now which are issuing liability policies for paranormal investigators. So so legal issues arise. You know, and, and at, the risk, <laughs> at the risk of being facetious, remember that movie with uh, Canal Reeves and... Um, Oh God, I, I can see him right now. Uh, the one that played Michael Corleone. Um, oh, um, um, Andy Garcia. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Oh. Yeah, Al Pacino, the Devil's Advocate. Oh, I love and that movie. It was such a great movie, and, yeah. and Canal Reeves goes, "Why? Why the law?" And he goes, "Because it puts us in everything." Yeah. <laughs> and if you think about it, can you name one business, one industry, one food, one anything that doesn't have some type of legal regulation attached to it? Oh, absolutely. I think it goes hand in hand with money, frankly. Uh, of course. Yeah. And now that there's this exploding interest, which is great uh, in the paranormal. Um, with these uh, paranormal shows and investigations. In fact, there's even debate that should mediums and psychics be regulated by law, you know, the way chiropractors and doctors and lawyers are. To an extent, they are in the United Kingdom. And and Britain, uh, the U.K., has always been in the forefront of psychic research. You know, in fact, the British were the first um, the, the first intelligence service in the 1930s to develop a psychic warfare division. So so these are fascinating things that come up, and, of course, there's legal ramifications. So there's quite a bit of it, and because of, of my abilities as a medium and my um, years of experience in the courtroom as an attorney, uh, that's why I've become the go-to guy for when the legal system and the paranormal collide. That is, that is really an interesting um, combination. So as a medium... 
you know, how does it work for you? We've had several mediums on here, you know, so are you, you know, reading people? Are you reading the past, the present, the future? Is it a past life regression? You know, the mediumship holds a lot of, a lot well, of potential things in it. Good, good question. To split it up into its most simplistic um, understanding, uh, a psychic tunes into the energy of a person, place, or thing, and that's why they can, you know, do a scan on health issues or love, life, career. And a, a medium tunes into the energy of a third party, which is a spirit. So, if you want to find out about your love, life, and career, see a psychic. If you want to talk to dead people, see a medium. And then. There are different types within that, like there's different types of lawyers, there's different type of doctors. Um, there's three types of mediums. There's um, a mental medium, which which I am, where I open up my, to higher frequencies. Spirits come in, their frequency overlays with mine. They transmit information to me. I see things, hear things, feel things that they're transmitting, and I explain it to the recipient. Then there are trance mediums, like Edgar Casey. You go into a trance and uh, they also call them channelers, and spirits speak through him. Um, and then there are physical mediums, which I've yet I've yet to see one that's credible. Um, I've observed a couple things. It's like, yeah, I didn't buy it. Um, where supposedly um, ectoplasm is projected from the medium that forms an image of the person who is communicating. Um, then, of course, with psychics, uh, you have... You have people that focus on medical. You focus. There's people that you know say they're animal communicators. There's people that work on you know past, present, and future. So there, there's a whole whole field in in the psychic realm, um, and there are some that over overlap. Now, I focus on evidential mediumship, things that can be objectively proven. So if I do a reading for you, the things that are transmitted to me from spirits can be verified, as opposed to, oh, I'm talking to Charles Dickens. Okay, Charles Dickens died 150 years ago or something. Well, what could be verified there? Okay? Um, you know, you can't verify things like that. And, or right. We already think, know what we're going to know about him. Yeah. Oh, in your past life, you were Joan of Arc, and that's why you're afraid of lighters, because you think you're going to get burned <laughs> at the stake, you know? <laughs> Uh, that got our that got our producer laughing. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, I've seen you know because I'm a skeptic too. You know, to me, a medium has to be credible and evidence based. And I've seen some things that oh come on, you know, um, uh, it's just it's it's it's. Do you feel that there sad. do you feel that there are a lot of people out there trying to dupe people with this? There are the history of mediumship is unfortunately racked with charlatanism. And, um, in fact, I was consulted um, as a legal analyst in the Rosa Marks case. That was in South Florida, I think it was about five or six years ago. And uh, she and her family, they're of the gypsy subculture. And I'm not trashing gypsies because, you know, people are people. But this particular group of people were, were thieves and frauds. And Rosa Marks um, built over $30 million out of people in, in a deep state of grief, telling them that their loved ones' spirits were trapped in hell and only she could get them out. 
In fact, there was uh, an, an author, a well-known author, Jude Devereaux, and her little boy had been killed in an accident. And I think she like sucked uh, three or four million dollars out of Jude Devereaux. Now, any and, and, and this is for all the benefit of the, the listeners. Um, mediums, yes, yes, psychics and mediums charge for their time. And, and you know, people say, well, you should just do it for free. It's like, well, yeah. Do you live under a bridge? Yeah, people okay. should just give me food and rent for free then. Yeah, too, just right? give me food and rent, and gasoline, and a car, and insurance, and health care, and everything else for free. And sure, I'll do it for free. You know, um, but but a legitimate psychic or a medium, you know, will say this is what we do. All right, you come to us, you do a reading, and it says clearly on my website, and it does on all the legitimate mediums that I know, that you should wait at least six months after the death of a loved one. Not because the spirit can't communicate, but because your emotions need to stabilize before you get anything of use out of the reading. In other words, if you're hysterical crying during the entire session, what are you going to get out of it? And then a lot of people want to know, well, can I get another reading? Well, you have to wait at least six months. A charlatan will tell you, oh, your son's spirit is trapped in hell, you know, and then and then rope you into coming three, four times a week, five, six hundred bucks a pop because they got to work on getting them out of hell or whatever nonsense that, that they um, that, well, that they're you know feeding you. Probably mainly the because their rent is due. All right, uh, we're coming up on our last commercial break. Uh, you're listening to Mark Anthony, the Psychic Lawyer, on Radio Wasteland. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and our guest, Mark Anthony, the Psychic Lawyer. Um, you know, when you were, I, I assume that you had an active practice at one point. When you were actively a lawyer, did you utilize your, your psychic abilities? Were you, oh, absolutely. Were you a cheater? That's what I want to know. Were you a cheater <laughs> lawyer? How, how, all right, well, I, I know people ask me stuff like that, but how is it cheating? Oh, I'm kidding. I don't think you it's know, cheating well, at no. all. I, my dad was a lawyer, and I think my dad's intuition is what made him such a good lawyer. Exactly. And talk to any any Marine, any soldier, any special forces, any first responder, and ask him or her if relying on your intuition, your gut, um, saves your life. Oh, absolutely. And they're all, they're all going to say absolutely, because there are some things that you just instinctively know. Now, what do you mean that you instinctively know if you walk into a situation you've never been in, and this information is coming from somewhere? And what it comes down to is we all have a skill set. Some people are 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 better at other things than 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 uh, you know. It's like Michael Phelps is better at swimming. You know, Stephen Hawking's better at math. You know, I'm better at at, uh, at psychic and, and mediumistic intuition. So, you know, because I know some people in in the courtroom, they're just so vicious, they would slit your throat and drink your blood if if it would help them win the case. I mean, you know, metaphorically. That might have been my dad. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are people that do that. And uh, you know, I use my ability to gain insights. It certainly doesn't make you invulnerable. Um, you know, you know, nothing nothing does. But but it does and can give you an advantage at times. Um, you know, just because you know somebody, like, we're in a court of law. It's not as if people don't lie there constantly. Right. You can't be all, Your Honor, I know they're lying. Yeah. Right. His grandmother said she didn't like him when she was here, and she still thinks he's, he's a dirtbag. You know, right. he can't. You can't do that, but I have freaked some people out by asking questions like, how would you know that? So but, I, I guess I have a good question about this then, because the 
the assumption that I'm taking from what you're saying is that maybe some people, I'm assuming there are varying levels of being psychic and a medium, um, yes. and that some people maybe don't know that they're psychic or a medium. Is, is that a possibility that... Absolutely. A- absolutely. And we see this, um, I, I see this a lot of times with children that, um, that their parents think that they're hallucinating and all that. Now, certainly, uh, there is a big difference between being schizophrenic and, and being a medium. And, but in, in earlier decades or, or decades past, people who had psychic and mediumistic abilities who could foresee the future or who would see spirits or hear voices, they were not always schizophrenic. Sometimes they were mediums, but the standard diagnosis was schizophrenia, and the treatment for that was electroshock therapy, whether you wanted it or not. Um, and the dosage that they used to give in years past would essentially damage your brain to where you would not behave like that. It's like lobotomies, you know. I mean, no physician in the right mind these days would would issue uh, an order to lobotomize somebody. But at one time, that was accepted medical practice. So, so yeah, yeah, there are people who have these abilities they don't understand them, and it causes them fear. So, um, you know, like growing up as you were learning this and then being Catholic, I was actually raised Catholic too. I'm finding out we have a lot in common. But um, through your life, have you had a lot of conflict? I know a lot of Christians find um, this mediumship and psychic stuff to potentially be that of the devil and stuff like that. Have you found that there's a lot of conflict in your life growing up with these two things? No, because my parents, um, even though my mother was a very devout Catholic, she and, and the Italian side of my family, which was my mother's side, looked at it as a gift from God. And they called it the gift of second sight. And, and if you look at lives of the popular saints, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Clair of Assisi, St. Anthony, Bernadette of Lourdes, I mean, you can go on and on, St. Teresa of Avila, they all exhibited what we now know to be psychic and mediumistic abilities. And what I always found fascinating was uh, Nostradamus. Um, he was not technically a member of the clergy, but he was the court physician to um, Henry II of France and his wife, uh, Catherine de' Medici. And he was accepted and honored by the Catholic Church, even though he would get these visions and foretell the future. It's just that Nostradamus knew how to play it really well. Or somebody like um, St. Clair of Assisi, who was a nun and was able to see things in real time that were happening across the village or a, you know, a village away. We now know that she was a remote viewer which the CIA and the Russians and the French and the North Koreans and the Chinese, you know, have been using British, have been using remote viewers and intelligence services for years. In fact, 800 years after she died, uh, St. Clair was, was designated as the patron saint of television. So, so you can't tell me the Vatican doesn't know about these things. And, of course, then there's always the, the people who proclaim to be Christians but they're really the ones who wanted to stone the adulteress, <laughs> okay? Right. And the the sad thing about Christians is a lot of them do not practice Christianity. They are so quick to judge, to cast the first stone, to condemn, to do everything Jesus said not to do. But because they said the magic words, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, there is a false 
belief that that gives them a free pass to judge, trash, look down upon, and treat other people horribly. And that's not being a Christian. That's being a religious fanatic. And most of them don't even have a confession, like uh, us Catholics from growing <laughs> up. You know, I, we were able to confess, but most of them, you know, you got to do the right thing. There's well, no clearing that up. You know, well, think about confession. That's sort of an early form of psychotherapy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is, okay, so when you get around the Borgia Popes, late 1400s, early 1500s, and then certainly uh, uh, Julius II, who wasn't a Borgia, but, you know, every bit is evil, you start selling indulgences. So you can get to heaven for this amount of money, and you can get forgiveness of sins for this amount of money. Well, being medieval Italy and contract murder not being an unusual thing <laughs> in right. in Italy, a lot of times you could get forgiven for the sins before you ever committed them. And so Seems that's convenient. what prompted, you know, the the Protestant revolution, if you will, in Germany because Martin Luther was looking at this going this is rotten to the core and this too is not Christianity. So, so something, you know, what do they say? The the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Confession and indulgences, on its face, may appear to be good and nice, but the reality is, it became corrupt. Well, I got to tell you, Mark, um, I have found this conversation to be very enlightening. So, I really kind of hate to say that uh, we're coming up on the end, and I want to make sure that uh, our audience, uh, both on the radio and online, know how to get in touch with you. So can you tell us a little how people can find out more about you? Sure. To find out about my tour schedule, how to set up a reading on the phone or in person, uh, it's the name of my last book, evidenceofeternity.com. And you also can find out about my books, watch uh, videos of TV and uh, interviews and lectures that I've given. And so anyone who wants to know more about all of that, go to evidenceofeternity.com. And please follow me, um, once you go to my website, follow me on social media, on, on YouTube, on MySpace, LinkedIn, Twitter, all. You can do all of that from my website, evidenceofeternity.com. All right, Mark. Well, thank you very much for being on our show. You've been listening to Radio Wasteland with our guest, the psychic lawyer, Mark Anthony. All right, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. You've been listening to our guest, Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Yeah. What do you think of that title? <laughs> I think he has a very good name. I totally think psychic name. lawyer, you know, that that just that can't help but first of all, it sounds like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Like, every time I hear Psychic Lawyer, I think Daredevil. Totally. Because, you know, enhanced yeah, yeah, senses, yeah. all that. You know, he can tell when people are lying in the courtroom. Yeah, yeah. You know, th- that's what I think. Um, I watched so, The Defenders this weekend, by the way. So did I. It was, really, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, he has the Psychic Lawyer. He has it uh, copyrighted. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a little C next to it, so. Well. So maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just puts a little C. Um, you know, in, in talking about Well, I about imagine, it, you know, law, as he was saying, would be a profession that would attract a lot of psychics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's definitely why I asked the question, do some of these people have it and not know it? Because my dad yeah. was very good at reading people. Yeah. Well, you you do... I'm not sure where I stand on the the whole psychic thing, but you do meet people who are very uncanny at reading people. And, and, you know, you can see how it would just be, 
you know, quick thinking and, and guesswork and, and all that kind of thing. Right. But, you know, maybe maybe not. Sometimes it's... My therapist, for example, has... Uh, I, I think one occasion I, I was there and she mentioned some detail about my life that I was like, wait, how did... I never, ever mentioned that. How did you know that? And she's like, oh... I don't know. I'm like, okay, you're, you're spooking me out here. I think you're psychic now. And she's like, oh, yeah. So... You feel that we should burn her at the stake? <laughs> no, but like she and I'm I'm pretty sure I've never revealed who she is on the radio, so no, I, you haven't. I, I feel comfortable in saying this, but she has professed to me to be psychic. Well so it's like two of the hmm. mediums <clears throat> that we've had on here. Mm-hmm. Have been therapists. Have been therapists. Suzanne Freed and Katie Redman. And for what it's worth, I will say it's it, her intuition is to the point where it is spooky. Yeah. Like, it's how could you possibly know that kind of thing? It, yeah, it's well, that kind of level. And you meet people like that. You meet I, people all the time in all kinds of different places right, who I, have that level. Of, I think Katie intuition. was saying that a lot of, a lot of, it's not uncommon for psychics to be counselors and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's a, that's a good place for it. Well, his talking sense. about doing it and, and getting paid, um, you know, made me think, it made me think a couple of things. It made me think, for one, to stop being a lawyer, to get paid for being a psychic. <laughs> You'd have you, to be making... You must be money. one hell of a psychic. Yeah. I mean, lawyers aren't uniformly well paid, I mean. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> if if you're a partner in a big law firm, sure. That mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I had a French teacher in high school who was once a trial lawyer. And A, she wasn't paid that well, and B, she hated it because it was an immensely stressful job. Right. And so she became a teacher. Right. Which also notoriously not very well-paid profession. Right. But, so, so it's hard to say, but, I mean, to make, to make any kind of living off of being a psychic, you must be a pretty good psychic. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's what I was thinking. The other thing it made me think of is a meme on Facebook that Ryan Sprague shared. Oh, where where it was basically making fun of people who um, do psychic and paranormal things for money. Mm -hmm. And they're basically saying that you should do it for exposure. And the guy got paid in exposure and then tried to buy a hot dog with an exposure bill, but they didn't take him. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that's a bad rap that a lot of these people get. That right. If they are, let's say... You are truly a skeptic. Let's say you were sitting there thinking these people are absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Well, if you're truly a skeptic, I mean, priests get paid. <laughs> That's where I was going with this. <laughs> right. If you're helping people to be happy. Right. Who cares? I mean, if you don't get, <laughs> if you don't believe in God, you might look at the Pope and go, Arr. Know, well, that is an extreme, <laughs> right. That's an extreme case. You know, the Catholic and, Church yeah, has actually, a lot of you, money. You still might, but. Right. But I mean, it, in general, these people are doing good. But, but I mean, he just brought up a point. Mark Anthony, you know, he was talking about people who were charlatans and who were preying on the grief stricken. Right. And so I, I think there is a, a line there. I mean, I, I think whether or not you believe in psychics, you know, you're either a charlatan or you yourself believe that you have 
Loki's abilities. Well, did you notice that he said the same thing that our last psychic guest said? I did said, notice, yeah. Uh, JC Nova, that you wait six months um, right. before getting your reading? And that seems like a sort of do-no-harm philosophy. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> e even if it's not real, we're not going to break these people psychologically by right, right. And, having and give them, them a, dependent on my services. Right, and know. give them a chance to let their lives settle. And Exactly. I mean, the, the, there's obviously, there can be a lot of different opinions about the, the ethics of, of psychic readings. I personally think if someone's willing to pay for it, then then that's perfectly reasonable. I, I do think it's scummy when you're taking advantage of people who aren't in their right mind. But right. I, I, I think people like Mark Anthony put precautions in place so that that's not what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, oftentimes when we do these things, it makes me think of a book and it makes me think of a movie. And when he was talking about being psychic, being like the force, mm-hmm. It made me think of a book called Flatland. Have you ever oh, yes. read yes. Flatland? I, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, but I haven't read the book. I've watched the movie and Algebra Two in oh, high okay. school. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I always joke about that about myself that uh, if listening to books on tape count as reading, I am very, very well read. But if they don't. Well, you know, well <laughs> the main purpose of reading is so that you can quote books to people and sound smart. So if totally. you can do that with books on tape, then it's just as good. I can. I can. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. In fact, I can do that with the clip <laughs> That's notes. what I learned as a literature major. Yeah, but when he was talking about this, it made me think of, you know, so connecting with the hereafter or the omnipotent or, or things mm -hmm. that are beyond us made me think of Flatland because... Here's this two-dimensional being, and as this three-dimensional being passes through its plane of existence, it really only gets the the slice that it can understand. Right. You know, and that was definitely the part that connected and, and made it a, a little more believable to me. I think in most of the psychics and... Uh, like paranormal researchers we've talked to, the the refrain that one can piece together from the various theories they've laid out is that there is another world of some kind, whether it's an, another dimension or a spirit world or what have you, and it intersects with ours in bizarre ways. Mm. You know, that, that in totality seems to be the theory behind a lot of these phenomena that we hear again and again on this show. So. Well, I, I often bring this up with our psychic guests and about religion on the whole and why my religious beliefs are very minimal is because I, if the omnipotent exists, I believe that it is supremely past our capability of understanding. And, you know, uh, I never get a yes totally on that. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I mean, in history, at least, that's that's very common. Deists think that God created the universe and after that was not involved. Right. You know, you... you Our founding have, fathers are deists. Well, yeah, some of them, certainly. And, you know, you have in almost every religion in prehistory, there is a pantheon of gods who behave very much like people, just more powerful. And then one god 
often a sky god in many pantheons, who does not in engage in human affairs and who is supremely powerful, but also barely involved in the mythic stories. Well, that's that's, that's because the pantheon is space aliens <laughs> that are genetically engineering us into being better slave monkeys. Well, that's what some of our guests would say. Certainly. All right, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back. All right, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. So we're here at the end of our show, and uh, we're going to get a little bit of news, a little bit of excitement from the That's world right. of paranormal news. All right, well, faithful listeners will got? know that the the week before last, the last time we did this, I was talking about what a crazy week it was in terms of paranormal stuff. Tons of aliens. Aren't all of our listeners faithful listeners? Oh, I, I assume so. I assume there's... 12 or so people, you know, in L.A. sitting in an apartment, you know, who've built a religion around our show. And then everyone else is too Why bad, you got to squash my dreams? <laughs> All right. So last week, it was a hefty, yeah, hefty it, week it, of paranormal activity. It was a, a ghost fest. This week, not so much. Oh, really? Which is odd, because I read in, in several places, in fact, just yesterday, I read an article from someone saying, yeah, we would expect paranormal activity to, to bounce a little bit after the eclipse. Um, certainly bounced two weeks before the eclipse, but a week before and during, eh, not, not so much. However, uh, I did fall back on my old mainstays, UFO sightings and ghosts. Okay, before we go on to these <laughs> UFO sightings and ghosts, the eclipse and you're talking about this just brought up a question for me. Sure. Does the eclipse count as a full moon? And if so, if you were a werewolf, would you turn into a werewolf? Mm. Well, I, I think that's a very good question. Totally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have been wondering. <laughs> I think in most of the original werewolf myths, uh, it actually had nothing to do with the full moon. You were usually a magic user of some type who had made a pact with a devil or a demon of some sort to acquire a talisman that you would put on to assume the appearance of a wolf, and then you would go out and commit your evil deeds. You think and this? So the all, I'm pretty sure it's all this stuff that I seem to know. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm talking about the folklore from the, the Balkans and that sort of region where it all originated. I am constantly surprised at how educated you are on some of these. All right, so you fell back for the news on... Right, on, on, on UFO sightings and ghosts. And the UFO sightings, to be honest, weren't that interesting, so that leaves us with ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, practically always a ghost sighting. This week, it was a pretty interesting one from uh, the Eden Hotel in La Falda, Argentina, which uh, is a famous place that I had never heard about, and I suspect most of our listeners haven't heard about it. Basically, it was founded by German expatriates. I knew this was coming. Yep. Argentina, uh, right, you, you Odessa. saw <laughs> So Odessa was the project, supposedly, where the Germans, after World War II, bailed out right. and lived in. And supposedly, one of them was Hitler. Right, well, I don't know about that. All right, all right, but <laughs> Haunting in it, the Eden Hotel. It, it was basically founded by wealthy members of the Nazi party, mm. um, the hotel was. And so eventually it was shut down by the Argentinian government for being horrible. And because of this, acquired a, a terrible reputation after many years. And this is, you know, a luxury resort, very nice place, but it fell into disrepair over the many, many decades that it was closed and just abandoned up on a hill. 
And during that time, uh, it acquired a reputation for being haunted. You know, there there were a number of stories. Uh, creepy little girls seems to be very popular in, in hauntings. You yeah. know, apparitions of old men with various wounds. You know, and and these span many decades, really, all throughout the middle of the 20th century. Eventually, it opened again, but surprise, surprise, all the nice stuff has been looted, and it has a reputation for being a Nazi ghost fest. So pretty much the only business they get are ghost tours there, where, right. where tourists go through and try to catch some glimpse of a ghost. But that leads me to the event, which was a couple of days ago, a tourist spot. Uh, spotted and caught on film a uh, ghost child wearing clown makeup peering out of a window. That's terrifying on several on, on levels, several levels <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> ghost child clown. Right. So that's three. Right. Um, and they're inhabiting a abandoned Nazi hotel. Right. <laughs> this sounds like one of those. Um, so. Uh, you know, I was joking about not reading. I actually went through a phase of reading a lot of 60s and 70s gothic romances. Uh-huh. Um, and I realized that gothic romance implies one thing, but really uh, <laughs> they were ghost stories like Nazi experiments. Romances and, and like romantic writers. Right, from- yeah. Yeah. You know, like Byron and stuff. Right. And the only reason why I stopped reading reading them is because I read all the ones I could find. I, I literally read probably 40 of these books. Hmm. And it totally sounds like one, you know. You got the haunted <laughs> Nazi hotel with the ghost child in clown makeup and the old men with multiple wounds. Right. Uh, like, I was going through... That the- just needs a woman in a nightgown. <laughs> You know, and you got a gothic. I was going through this last week's event, and I'm like, have you got nothing for me? And eventually I hit on this, and I'm like, Argentina, thank you. Yeah, it's the mother. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, you know, evil expatriate Nazis. You have saved me for this week's show. Yet again, saved by the (laughs) evil expatriate Nazis. Yeah. So was there, there was video. Uh, There was a photo. A photo. Um, And... You know, you see a lot of photos of, like... I I looked at the photo, and it's somewhat convincing. I think there was a photo from around here a while back of, like, this face that sort of emerges from the trees, but it could just be an artifact of the photo. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of those types of of things. It's fairly blurry. But... You know, it, it's certainly spooky. Yeah, our engineer, Jared, just showed me the photo, okay. and uh, it is spooky. Yeah. I don't like it. It does look like a face. Yeah. It, it looks like it a does. face wearing clown makeup. Yeah. It or kind possibly of... just very weirdly exposed. Yeah, it looks like the grudge. Yeah, actually. It, yeah. it looks exactly like the grudge. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> the grudge is like one of... So I watched The Grudge by myself, um, and like I'm a horror movie fanatic. And this movie's PG-13, and I think, like, whatever, it's PG-13. That's lame, you know? <laughs> um, but I forgot that things are normally rated R, not due to scariness, but just due to nudity and cussing. Sure. And this was actually kind of scary. I'm home alone. My wife's out with her friends, and I'm watching The Grudge, and I think everything's fine. I'm laughing it off. And then finally, the movie's over, and I'm going up to go to bed. And, like, I'm wrapping around the corner, and I'm just all, like, it's all dark, and I'm all, oh, my God, the grudge. This is <laughs> happening. This is real. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. You know, um, 
Well, if you're in Argentina, you, you know, we know all about the, there are a bunch of big haunted luxury hotels in, in the United States, I think. Uh, we've had people talk about a couple in LA mm-hmm. a, a few times, but you know, as, as far as Argentina goes, this is a really big one. So it's interesting. I, I'm surprised I never heard about it before. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, what retired Nazis do if they're like lay low and kick it. Or if they keep well, doing their crazy I mean, Nazi they op- business. They opened a hotel. You know, they were, let's let's be hotel managers and try to forget all of that Nazi stuff happened. Well, maybe they were doing shady Nazi business up in there. Well, that's true. You, you would think, you know, would a hotel just become haunted because it happened to be inhabited by people who had unsavory views? I mean, if that were the case... You know, wide swaths. I of, guess they could have brought the ghosts <laughs> with them, right? Or, yeah. or or something. Or maybe they were up to some shady business. Yeah, you know, it's hard to say one way or another. The place ended up haunted. My movie imagination wants to think they were up to shady business, but real life Chauncey wants to think that. Well, there's no evidence, of right? That. Wants to be nice. So. All right, you've been listening to Radio Wasteland. Thanks for checking us out. Before you die alone Where you gonna die alone